Okay, great. Um, really excited. My name is Chris Weatherby. Uh, I'm the Senior Transportation and Shipping Analyst at Citigroup. Um, I am very pleased to be moderating the next panel we have today, which is the Container Shipping Panel. Um, we have a great lineup uh, across a couple of countries, obviously, as we continue to sort of run this remotely here. Uh, I'm sitting in New Jersey and I'm joined by, by folks from uh, a couple of other countries here. But uh, we have Evangelos Chatsis, who's the CFO of Denaus, joining us. Jerry Caligaridis, uh, who's the CEO of Capital Product Partners, and Aristides Pitas, who's the chairman and CEO of Euroseas. So we're, we're very happy, gentlemen, to have you with us to get started on this container shipping panel. I thought maybe what was the best way to start was to really kind of just dig into what's happening on the ground today. Um, you know, obviously, the reason why we're all doing this remotely as opposed to in person at the Metropolitan Club is because of the coronavirus and the impacts that it's had to travel and, and, and you know, lots of the different aspects of our individual lives. But, um, you know, maybe, Jerry, I'll start with you. Could, could you just give us a rundown on sort of how, number one, your organization is responding to the virus and then maybe, two, um, how you see sort of the day-to-day the -day procedural impacts on the container shipping market? We can get into sort of supply, demand, and, and volume trends in a minute, but I'd like to sort of understand maybe a little bit better about sort of the nuts and bolts and if there's anything that we would be maybe surprised by that has had to change because of uh, precautions around the virus. Um, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Um, I think when you look at, uh, let's say, the more uh, operational uh, angle, uh, the impact of the coronavirus for us really started uh, when um, the outbreak um, hit uh, China, and as we happened uh, to have at the time two vessels, our last two ships actually that were being retrofitted with scrubbers, um, they entered um, the uh, shipyards right towards the end of the uh, of last year, and uh, what uh, were originally uh, 45 to 60 days uh, retrofit. Uh, uh, scrubber retrofit durations, I think by now they've become more like a, um, a three-month uh, period because there were capacity issues, uh, there was a labor shortages in many ship, uh, Chinese shipyards, it was difficult to get spares out of customs, uh, it was even more difficult to get uh, superintendents and engineers to attend uh, the vessels, uh, be it within China or even outside. So if you want, that was really uh, the, the biggest impact we have seen on the business uh, so far. Um, I am happy to say that uh, one vessel has completed its uh, scrubber retrofit and the other one is expected to complete it over the next uh, few days. Um, but I think since then uh, and since the spread of the, the virus um, uh, into the Western world, I, I, increasingly, we are facing more issues, uh, crew changes, um, boarding of uh, third parties on, on vessels, um, implementing uh, new policies. Uh, of course, uh, here on shore, uh, we have uh, rotating emergency personnel only in the office. So there are multiple challenges uh, as far as if you want the more day-to-day -day operational aspect is concerned. But um, we don't have at, any, at this point any uh, charter renewals, so uh, we haven't seen uh, other, of course, and the delay in scrubber retrofits any 
financial impact, so to say. Okay, okay, that's helpful. Uh, uh, Evangelos, from your perspective, anything uh, at Denaus that you guys are doing differently? Have you had any issues in terms of um, your crews? We, we understand, obviously, once you know crews do switch, getting them home is a challenge as well. Anything going on from your perspective? Yes, I think that Jerry summed up pretty well the uh, the effects that uh, the situation has had on on our business. Uh, obviously, this is a once in a lifetime event, and uh, you know people are trying to figure out how to deal with this as we go along, and that is exactly why this is a day to day situation on dealing with the side effects of all this. Um, of course, uh, there are disruptions in traveling. So uh, actually we're taking delivery of a couple of ships within the next uh, four to six weeks. And it's a puzzle we're trying to solve on how to crew uh, the vessels and fly people out there. Um, uh, there are ways to do it, but it takes a bit more time, potentially quarantine uh, of 14 days for people before they are able to join the ship and so on and so forth. And for existing crews, I think, uh, the changes uh, have, you know, gone a bit more back uh, exactly because it's not easy to, uh, to repatriate uh, people. Um, look, we've, this thing has caused delays in shipyards, there's no doubt. As Jerry mentioned, we also had ships installing scrubbers that uh, most, for Q, most of Q1 they stayed in the shipyard. Uh, and thankfully, these all all these works are now coming to an end. Uh, and uh, we also had a few ships coming up for rechartering. We did charter these ships uh, at, of course, lower rates than what we were we would be able to achieve in Q4 of last year, let's say. But uh, until now, we have not really seen an economic impact from our standpoint. Uh, we, we understand that volumes are down, which uh, first volumes were down because of a supply side issue with production in China. Now volumes continue to be down uh, from demand side effects, Europe and US. And uh, we hope that liner companies can manage capacity uh, properly uh, because uh, although the top line will be reduced, uh, I'm hopeful that by managing capacity, keeping freight rates at decent levels, they will mitigate the bottom line effect of all that. So, uh, otherwise, we're working from home and uh, with skeleton crew in the office, and uh, we take it from there. Okay, okay, that's great. Aristides, anything that you want to weigh in on from from uh, from your perspective that you guys are doing or seeing that's kind of either different or unique or a unique challenge in the current circumstances? No, I just want to. I mean, I agree with everything that has been said, and this is the situation. I'll just mention three operational issues that we are facing, which are a little bit different, but uh, along the same lines. We've got a vessel that we are dry docking for its special survey right now in China. We couldn't send one of our engineers there. Nobody's willing to go there. So the, the special survey is essentially supervised uh, via video calls and the captain uh, pulling the strings. So obviously this is not ideal, but it is one thing we're doing. 
we had another vessel we are generally avoiding crew changes and we've told all our crew that we are not going to be changing crew for the next month or so and have to see what happens but we had uh, somebody that fell ill in one of our ships in south africa we arrived uh, at the port uh, the authorities said that we have to take uh, to screen him for coronavirus because he might have that it was not possible to have it because he was at sea for such a long time but anyway we lost two days there waiting for the results. So things like that, uh, operational things like that, uh, happen all the time. We've sold the vessel for, uh, to be scrapped in India, but now there is the discussion in India that uh, beaching will not be allowed. And this is going to be a serious issue because if you can't scrap the vessels uh, that you've decided to scrap, uh, I don't know what kind of bottleneck will be faced there. So there's all these kind of operational problems that we are seeing these days. And uh, I expect to see more of these uh, till till things get better. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that that's helpful. It's uh, it's helpful to understand what's going on uh, from a practical perspective. I guess maybe Jerry, maybe coming back to you, can we talk a little bit about what's going on um, in, in terms of, I guess, demand on the demand side? You know, this has been a unique dynamic where China went offline for an extended period following Chinese New Year. Um, there you know, ramping back and from what we understand, kind of getting close to almost full capacity from a manufacturing perspective. So maybe a couple questions for you. Is China fully back and, and are you seeing volume coming through the ports in China um, at, a, at a relatively uh, strong clip? And then how, how do you think about sort of demand from the developed economies of Europe and uh, North America, which are obviously just in the beginnings of sort of shutting down for a period of time? So can, can you talk a little bit about what's going on there? Yeah, um, so I, I think at the beginning of the year, we were all um, uh, fairly optimistic that we will be having uh, a fairly balanced market, uh, especially in the post-Panamax market that uh, we are actively in. You know, you, you had maybe decent demand uh, anywhere around uh, 2%, I think, for most analysts. And then supply was expected to be slightly higher, but the order book is quite low. And uh, especially for larger ships, uh, you had many scrubber retrofits that uh, could uh, limit that supply. Um, so we were expecting that uh, the markets will uh, remain quite robust. Obviously, I, I think this, this picture changed quite uh, dramatically at the beginning with, with China. As you say, we only for the month of February, we saw a drop of 17% uh, uh, when it comes to, to volumes uh, in Chinese ports. Um, and uh, of course, the, all the other issues that we described. Um, since then, um, uh, if you look at um, uh, port calls or volumes, you would say that in most uh, provinces, maybe except for Hubei, where uh, the whole thing started, volumes uh, have returned close to, to normal or where they were last year um, at the same time um, after Chinese New Year. But um, again, um, as you say, there is the new dynamic of uh, now Europe and the US. I think it's too early to say um, how this is affecting um, uh, demand. Port calls for sure globally are down for, uh, for container ships. Um, but uh, you have to look at the macro. So if you took uh, the latest OECD estimate of uh, 
one and a half global GDP growth for this year, um, which is, um, in my mind, actually a very benign scenario, then uh, you could see, you could say that we would see a big drop in volumes Q1 and Q2, and then uh, a big rebound Q3 onwards as uh, we're going back to restocking and uh, uh, more normalized consumption levels. Um, however, so this type of U-shaped recovery, I think, uh, could be good or kind of very good even for containers, um, creating a, a spike in, in rates uh, maybe in a quarter or two from now. But I think it's too early to, to say, because uh, as long as we don't know for how long uh, this uh, is uh, going to last, um, then you cannot make any, uh, any sound assumptions and projections. The only silver lining that I would add here is that at the same time, what we just all described, I think those delays that we are describing with regard to uh, dry dockings, uh, scrubber retrofits, also CPRs uh, calling on force majeure clauses in contracts, uh, in quarantine periods for, for vessels in ports, all that potentially could restrict supply up to a certain extent and offset partly that drop in demand. Now, to what extent uh, this is going to be uh, offset, uh, the dynamics of this offsetting and uh, to what extent the demand will dip, I think it's too early to say, but uh, we are right now in the midst of it. Okay, that's great. That's helpful color. Aristides, do you want to weigh in a little bit on sort of what you're seeing? I guess maybe the other, the other incremental question I'd ask you is about um, charter renegotiations. I don't know if you've gone through any during the last couple of weeks or have any coming up in the next couple of weeks, but Evangelist had mentioned that as something that they're seeing. So can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the current market? Yes. Uh, I have to say that up till uh, very recently, uh, container charter rates had held uh, very firm despite what was happening in China. Now that this has come to Europe and the US, I think that we're starting to see uh, charter rates uh, dropping a little. Uh, what we've seen is that, uh, and what we were thinking about uh, about a month ago was it's good to have your ships in the Atlantic because there everything is still working and the, and the ships that you have there, you will be able to deploy them. I remind you that uh, our company has uh, smaller vessels, uh, feeder vessels up to Panamax vessels. So we do intra-regional trade a lot. So for us, where we were was quite important. Uh, and we saw that it was difficult uh, in, in the Far East. This has reversed totally right now. And uh, it's difficult to have a feeder ship uh, in the Atlantic. Whilst in the Pacific, uh, things uh, and the Indian Ocean, uh, things seem much better uh, and volumes are picking up. We're seeing it in, in our feeder vessels that are trading in the Far East that uh, the, the, the ships are more full than they were a month ago or a couple of months ago, which is the good thing. We have had, of course, uh, a couple of ships that we had to renegotiate, to, to extend, uh, and hopefully in this market, what you try and do is to extend with the existing uh, charters, uh, if they still want the ship. And we have been able up to now to get uh, last done. But now we're at the stage where I think that we will have to accept lower charter rates, 
especially for the ships uh, that are trading in the Far East. Okay, got it. Ships are, are, are still uh, chartered, so we haven't had to stop uh, a single ship, but we've got some notices and we are in discussions with the charters about an extension. Okay. Evangelos, is that the same perspective that you had? You had mentioned the charter rates before. just want to get a sense of how you guys are thinking about it. Yes, that's right. Uh, as Aristides mentioned, over the past month or so, we fixed a few ships at rates slightly lower than what we had three months ago, pre-coronavirus. Um, I expect there will be increased pressure in charter rates. Uh, actually, the bigger ships... Uh, six and a half thousand plus TU ships had held up pretty well. I expect them to also start coming down now, starting feeling the pressure. Uh, and uh, the, the smaller tonnage, uh, I don't see too much uh, more downside from where we are. Uh, volumes in intra Asia, where much of these ships are being deployed, are pretty decent. Uh, the whole issue, as I said before, is demand driven. It's obviously Europe and U.S. who are now at the epicenter of this uh, pandemic. Yeah, so I guess maybe the next question that I wanted to ask the, the panel was on um, the, any feedback, if anything, you're getting from your customers, meaning the, the liner companies. So understanding how they're thinking about this and may, maybe any color that they've been able to give you around the duration of a, of a potential slowdown and maybe how they're thinking about things from blank sailing standpoint, how they're managing capacity. Um, you know, Jerry, maybe could you weigh in on, on anything that you may be hearing from some of your customers? I think there, from their perspective, there's a lot of uncertainty as well. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we are hearing of blank sailings. We are also hearing of uh, some liners uh, relating tonnets uh, into the market. And of course, uh, this is not good news for Trump owners because we now have our customers competing with us. Um, but uh, it has been up to now uh, fairly, fairly limited, uh, the extent of it. Um, there is also rumors of certain uh, new build orders that were um, being discussed from uh, operators, from liners, uh, that, that they're being put on ice. Um, and uh, I think any CapEx uh, discussion at this point uh, is, uh, is being shelved as uh, uh, people uh, want to deal with the uncertainty. Uh, there is, of course, uh, again, um, uh, a silver lining, uh, which is coincidental. There is the, the drop of uh, oil prices and hence banker prices. So this is uh, a big bonanza for many of these liner companies. Uh, this is generating additional liquidity. Um, you know, we, we calculated that uh, for a 10,000 EU container, um, the, the savings um, that the liner could have um, uh, compared to January um, banker prices may be, is maybe around $10 million. Multiply this by 200, 300 ships, and that could be substantial saving. But of course, um, um, depending on how long this lasts, uh, there are definitely going to be other issues uh, as well. Okay. And Aristides, from your perspective, um, do you ever worry about sort of the, the counterparty risk that you guys have um, with charters? I guess 
you know, we're, we're in a sort of interesting period of time here. I think freight for the most part is relatively insulated from some of the significant impacts we're seeing across sort of the global economy, particularly in the services business and things like restaurants and, and sort of personal travel or passenger travel. But, but does, you know, as you, how, how do you guys think about managing credit risk during a situation like this? Yes, I mean, I, obviously it's going to be difficult if this thing lasts for, for quite some time uh, because, uh, you know, the volumes will drop substantially. So I think this is critical to watch. Uh, smaller, uh, smaller charters, I think, uh, can suffer in this uh, difficult situation. The bigger ones will also do, uh, suffer, but they have the means to get some extension uh, as needed. <clears throat> They've been pretty good up till now in managing the capacity by blanking a lot of sailing. So, as you say, freight rates have not dropped substantially. Uh, which is good, but volumes will start to drop and I think will drop further down. And there will, there will be a risk uh, for, for some charters. So we're trying to fix our ships with, with the biggest uh, charters, the ones that uh, will be able to handle this as they handled the previous crisis uh, quite well with support uh, from, from various sources. Okay, and, and, and Chris, if I, if I, yeah, if I may add, uh, don't forget uh, the liners are coming from a pretty good year, which was 2019. We've seen the results come out. Uh, they had piled up decent amounts of cash. Uh, also, Q1, in terms of uh, cash flow, uh, the top line, the earnings, the cash income, if you will, reflected business of Q4 because there is a lag, of course, for transporting the cargo and the lag or credit you give to your shippers to pay you. Uh, what we will now see from here onwards is the effect of the, re of the reduced volumes uh, post-coronavirus. And this is going to start coming up uh, and it will exert pressure on their, on their cash flow. Uh, each company has uh, you know, different capacity or cash burning if you will, uh, capacity. And uh, uh, as I said, and as, uh, as everyone in the panel said, uh, you know, they've managed to keep freight rates at decent levels. So, you know, that, that will mitigate the effect on the bottom line. Banker prices are low, so that helps a bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, no one knows when this is going to end. And uh, if we face a prolonged uh, shutdown of the world, uh, I mean, all bets are off, right? I mean, no one can give you any, any answer. Uh, we all hope that this will be normalized within the next two or three months. And if this is the case, I believe there will be no permanent damage to industry participants. Beyond that, it's, uh, I cannot speculate. Okay, that's helpful. Appreciate it. So Jerry, you had mentioned this earlier in the conversation about the potential for coming out of this, um, you know, this impact, this lull, if you if you will, um, around demand. Can you talk a little bit about what you think sort of the other side of this looks like? So uh, let's you know let's hope that we can can keep this contained over the course of a couple of months, as opposed to something longer than that. If we are thinking about the back half of 2020 and maybe how 2021 might develop. 
how do you sort of look out if you can, you know, have a pretty clear crystal ball, which I'm sure is difficult these days. How do you think this sort of back after the year and the beginning of 2021 might shape out? Yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, you, you need to, to uh, I guess, um, to make a whole lot of assumptions, um, but uh, maybe starting with supply, assuming that we see um, a slowdown in deliveries around uh, 15 to 20%, which I think is definitely uh, possible given what's, uh, what's happening because shipyards are delaying deliveries big because owners uh, are not prepared to take delivery or, or liners. Um, at the same time, you would expect that uh, these prolonged dry dockings for scrubber retrofits uh, will create a domino effect. Uh, and uh, if people were expecting um, uh, about 2 to 3% of uh, capacity being um, caught up in scrubber retrofits, uh, maybe that's a bigger number. Uh, partly potentially offset by the fact that uh, now that the spread has tightened, some people will walk away from, um, uh, from scrubber equipment, but I think this is going to be more a 2021 thing rather than 2020, as you know, people that are retrofitting scrubbers now are doing it because they have uh, charter parties in place and they have paid mostly for, uh, for the scrubber equipment. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that supply, let us assume that, um, that supply will be kind of um, uh, rationalized or restricted because of what we're seeing now, uh, then one would expect uh, a couple of um, uh, depressed uh, quarters. Uh, and then possibly as soon as this thing normalizes, and here I think the key the key element would be um, the world economy is going back to normalized consumption patterns. And I don't think this is necessarily uh, an easy one because we might, uh, we might see, um, this might not be a black or white thing, right? So we might see some months whereby we have a gradual uh, return to, uh, to normal uh, ways of life then uh, we could see a big spike as people have been drawing on inventories. Uh, many factories uh, have closed or are being closed on the back of this. And then you, you should suddenly see a big spike in demand, um, people returning to manufacturing, um, uh, people uh, stockpiling, and that uh, should uh, drive container demand upwards. So in that case where we would have um, a bit of rationalized supply, non-new building orders, and uh, a couple of depressed quarters and then a big spike in demand, I think uh, we could be in for, uh, uh, for a fairly good uh, mark in 2021. But again, and uh, I know that I've said it before, like uh, every, everybody else on the panel, that's assuming that this is going to be a relatively short year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's hard to tell. Um, Aristides, you want to weigh in? How does the crystal ball look for you guys in terms of you know, late 20, you know, maybe early 21? Yes, uh, I think Jerry said it all. Really, uh, we think it's very difficult to predict how long this uh, it will take uh, Western Europe to fight with coronavirus and to come back to normal. And uh, this is the single uh, most important uh, parameter right now that will determine the future. If, as Jerry said, in a couple of months' time 
were able to put it under control uh, and we have we start seeing a gradual recovery i'm also helpful uh, hopeful that you know 2021 will be a very good year i uh, i believe that 2020 was going to be a very good year before the outbreak of this uh, coronavirus thing so uh, the the less supply that we will have now for the reasons that Jerry said will make it even better a year if we manage to get up to the global GDP growth in 2021 that we expected for 2020. So it really depends on things that it's on one thing. And this is a very, very, very rare occasion where one parameter drives everything. So all the others seem so irrelevant at this point in time. It's only this one thing that the whole civilization is fighting for. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. Um, Evangelist, maybe could I have you weigh in a little bit on the order book? I, I, one of the things that I, I guess I've been thinking about is, you know, number one, um, it's been touched on a couple of times in the in over the course of the panel where where it sounds like shipyards have constraints around them whether it be having your personnel available to see you know vessels coming out being able to crew them as they're coming out of the shipyards but can you talk broadly about the order book and, and maybe if there are going to be any sort of a, a deceleration or a slowdown of deliveries that you'd expect from the existing book and then maybe we can talk a little bit about your personal sort of views on how you want to think about potentially placing orders or will there be opportunities to add to the fleet in the uh, resale market? Yes, uh, look, the order book, the supply side of the equation looked pretty good uh, through the end of last year, right? So we were all expecting that uh, with nothing spectacular happening on the demand side that it would be a balanced year and we would have firm charter rates and so on and so forth. If anything, this improves uh, the supply side uh, situation. We will have delays uh, in deliveries. Uh, estimates are anywhere between 15 to 30 percent. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I'm not sure anyone is really keen to take delivery of ships uh, during this environment. Uh, also, uh, people were pre-coronavirus even people were skeptical uh, on uh, on placing orders. Uh, because of technological concerns uh, in relation to uh, emissions and the whole greenhouse gases uh, the discussion. And uh, I think also, as Aristides said, you know, this is driven solely by the, the pandemic. All the other considerations have, uh, have stayed behind. So all in all, I, you know, as, as long as demand resumes, uh, and as, as soon as world GDP growth goes back to sort of some sort of normality, uh, we should see a very good market. Uh, as I said before, it all depends on how long this is going to last for, because if it lasts for too long, we're going to have we're going to see effects in the global economy that will be sort of uh, not permanent, but we will have a big hole that will not be able to be filled. Uh, very quickly. So then we're facing another sort of more prolonged uh, recovery. Okay, understood. You know, Jerry, I guess, um, you know, any thoughts on on the order book, I, I guess, um, maybe a specific question um, that's maybe tied in is also 
how much of the fleet do you think is currently sort of tied up in um, dry dockings or retrofits related to scrubber additions? That's one thing that has been keeping capacity out of the market. And I guess I'm kind of curious to see, you know, that's part of the supply side equation uh, as well as the order book. So wanted to get a sense of what you think is out and, and when do you think those ships actually come back into the market? So a report that I was reading last week um, estimated that about 120 units, about 1.1 million TEU was um, in dry docks being retrofitted with scrubbers. Approximately, or at least rather 20 units, I, I'm sure it's, uh, it's more than that. They had uh, 100 days uh, scrubber retrofits. Um, so that is uh, definitely uh, a material part of the fleet, uh, and it also works, it has a domino effect, right? So um, there are other ships that are waiting to get in, um, and uh, the more the, the ones delay that are there, then um, you could see this uh, becoming uh, more of a problem, exacerbating down the line. So. As I said earlier, if people were estimating uh, between two to three percent of uh, EU capacity being offline this year, um, maybe this is a, a four or five or six percent. I think it's it's too early to say. I'm sure that some people will walk away uh, or postpone scrubber retrofits, especially some of the liners uh, who have uh, their own uh, program. Uh, in the end, they can decide uh, whether it makes. Uh, uh, sense for them to install uh, scrubbers. But, you know, there is, a, I'm sure that there's a lot of discussion around this topic, but uh, for a large container, while the, the payback time has now been extended, it still kind of makes sense. Uh, so I don't see, for, for the large vessels, I don't see a huge amount of cancellations. Um, but um, we have though, having said that, all that, I think, uh, I have to underline that over the last two, three weeks, we have seen Chinese shipyards expediting and they're almost at full capacity. So uh, let, us, let us see where we are. But, that, you know, but now we have other problems, right? Uh, as uh, Aristides mentioned, you, you, know, you cannot get people to attend those dry docks. Uh, if you want, let's say you have a, a Korean scrubber uh, equipment manufacturer, how do you get your uh, Korean uh, engineers to fly in uh, for trials or, uh, or for the installation. So there are many other logistical issues uh, that are hiding behind this uh, and I'm sure would not make uh, life uh, easier. Okay, okay, that, that certainly makes sense. Um, I, I guess may, maybe staying with you, Jerry, for a minute because I know you have some uh, that you're working on, but when you think about the scrubber economics and, and you kind of touched on that, um, what does the payback period look like today? As specific as you can be, we know some of the spreads have collapsed here to a degree. There still is a spread though. So, you know, how, how do you think about the sort of return on that investment here in this market? Well, um, we actually never speculated on, um, uh, on the scrubbers. So uh, what we said is we are more than willing to install scrubbers uh, provided that we get our charterers to pay us a decent return on, uh, uh, on the CapEx. Um, so uh, we left it up to them depending on uh, you know, our relative position, whether we were already in a charter or we were 
uh, agreeing to a new charter, we managed to get uh, different uh, payback uh, uh, durations. But um, if you think about, let's say, a 10,000 EU container vessel, right, which would have anywhere between, it would consume somewhere between 22,000, 25,000 tons uh, of uh, um, uh, HFO uh, per year or combined fuel per year. Um, and you multiply this uh, by a $70 um, um, kind of uh, spread, that would still give you, you know, a million and three quarters to $2 million uh, savings per year, uh, which um, assuming a scrubber retrofit price of, uh, you know, all in, call it four and a half, five million dollars, it's still uh, a, fairly, a fairly decent uh, return. Um, if you're an owner, of course, you have to make sure that you have a contract that uh, covers for it. And I think that's going to be increasingly difficult in this uncertain market. But if uh, you're looking at this from a liner perspective, maybe it still makes sense. So, um, and I think assuming that the, the spread is going to stay at $70, again, a very uh, conservative assumption. Okay. Okay. That's very helpful. We're running a little short on time here. So Aristides, I wanted to get to you and sort of get, you know, maybe a question that we can ask everybody on the panel is, is you know, we're in uncertain times here, um, but it sounds like there are reasons to be optimistic. So when you're thinking about your fleet, I guess the question is, are you adding uh, to the fleet? Is this, do you think there will be opportunities to add to the fleet? And, you know, when you think about that, is that in the aftermarket uh, or you think that there are the potential for new buildings? I, I guess I want to get a sense of, of how you're thinking about strategically managing your fleet in this current environment. Sure. Uh, I have one question for Jerry, if, if he can answer a little bit later, sure. just give me, because th there's a cost in maintaining the scrubbers, which I don't know how much it is, but it, that also takes away from, from that uh, investment. We didn't invest in scrubbers, we have smaller ships, and we felt the economics didn't make sense there. But to answer your question, um, I think very few people would place new orders, even though ships will become cheaper if this thing lasts for quite some time because shipyards are starting to see uh, their order books depleted. So that would pull down prices. Still, people don't know what kind of ship to build. They don't know what type of engine it will need in the future. So everybody's very reluctant. And I think this is the very good news about our industry long term. Until we find the, the next fuel, the next optimal vessel, that we will have very few uh, ships being built. So that is one thing. Of course, if this thing lasts, we will see cheaper uh, second-hand ships. And at some point, that may be an opportunity for people that are cash-rich to invest and to get some, some uh, new assets, uh, new second-hand assets in their fleet. But uh, at this point in time, I think uh, everybody's really trying to see how this will develop and managing operational problems rather than uh, seeing a lot of things in the S&P market. First of all, you cannot even go and inspect the vessel today because of the situation. So that makes it even more difficult. So I think that if the market stays low uh, and is <coughs> prolonged, we will, we will see also cheaper second-hand vessels, which will give the opportunity for some people to buy ships. Got it. Okay. Evangelos, from your perspective at the Vows, can you talk a little bit about 
priorities in this environment? Do you, is, is paying down debt going to be sort of the, the key for you guys? How do you think about sort of the next, you know, three, six, nine, maybe even 12 months in terms of capital deployment? Priorities right now are uh, to take delivery of the ships that we have recently acquired. And to your previous question, we have over the past uh, four or five months, uh, we've spent money acquiring uh, larger uh, container ships, which we believe uh, will fare well going forward. Uh, obviously, this sort of disruption uh, is not indicative of how these ships are going to fare in the future. But, uh, you know, we, we, as a matter of strategy, we are out there looking to grow our fleet and uh, including new buildings, if and when activity resumes and all these issues around technology are one way or the other uh, sorted out. Um, so uh, for the time being, it's uh, getting through the storm. Uh, we are deleveraging um, as we have been. There's nothing extra to do. Uh, we are at a very comfortable level in terms of leverage. We're, we are below, we're well below five times. And uh, we actually do have extra capital to deploy uh, if required. And uh, we want to be given a chance to do so. And we hope this ends pretty soon. Got it. Well, listen, gentlemen, we're, we're, we're out of time. Uh, it was my pleasure to host you. And thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.